everybody welcome back to the pc perspective podcast we are on episode 674 this is being recorded on april 27 2022 i'm sebastian peak i'm jeremy holstrom i'm josh walrath i'm brad van Spromberg. <laughs> okay <laughs> when i try to level welcome this all to the PC out perspective gonna... podcast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited all to right. be here <laughs> Josh is somehow compressing his own voice. It's astonishing. <laughs> I didn't know we had that kind of technology. Like uh Billy Mays. You sound like Billy Mays. How about Regis Philbin? You know, I could try to do, yeah, do right. a little Regis. Sell me the sham wow. Like you can support the site at patreon.com slash PC per become a patron of the PC per arts. And let's move immediately into our most popular segment of the week. It's Hot dog. Food with Josh. Not necessarily <laughs> burgers. Okay, so, you know, strange thing happened. My wife last night called me and said, I'm getting burgers, what do you want? It's like, well, get the spicy Bach burger. Uh, spicy guac burger. And so I had a burger last night with fries, and I was extremely full. And I was like, you know what? Born in the barn probably is not happening tomorrow. But, but you know, sometimes by grace are we sa- are ye saved? And and I called them up and I asked, what is the special? And they said it's a hot dog special. And you know what? Hot dogs are not burgers. So that means I could get born in the barn. The dog gone wild. A chili dog topped with mac and cheese, tots, and sriracha. Now, sadly, they didn't have the sweet potato tots and glazed bourbon sauce available to me at that moment because that would just have been too much. So I had the dog. And I had a salad. And let me tell you, sometimes a dog just hits the spot. And I'm not talking about when a dog jumps in your lap. But rather, this hot dog made with, you know, real beef rather than scraps everything else. Tastes fantastic. And then you add tots on top of it with mac and cheese and chili. And sriracha. And it's an explosion in your mouth that, you know, some people may not like just because of the symbolism of the hot dog, but it's where we're at. <laughs> that was really good. I have lots of fall off when you threw it in the and hallway, in a, man. And in a, in a lone mouth-watering soliloquy, Josh delivers food yeah. speak directly yep. to the hungry audience. <laughs> I'm sorry. Moving on. Raja has a new project. Intel graphics research who can tell me about this is he on the right path it's gonna have to because i have (laughs) no clue what who what what 
path what path tracing yes. path tracing the the uh successor to ray tracing which is uh not just you know calculating the bounces of rays but actually the paths that they take while they're traveling along and so we sort of saw this uh in the two things one is the minecraft rtx that i put up there and the quake 2 uh used vulcan path tracing so it's the idea is that it gives things a little bit better illumination, a little bit more realistic uh, look to it, which is exactly what the graphics resource organization is apparently going to do. They're looking on making gaming and graphics just in general, more realistic. Uh, you know, I, as I pointed out in the article, I mean, if you've seen the metaverse, you realize just how badly this is needed because that looks just awful. So they're sort of talking about not necessarily creating their own social network, but being the ones that are going to power it and make it look less like a GeoCities webpage that's a little excessively animated. It'll be interesting to see just how well they do, because, I mean, all of this Intel graphics information is wonderful. I love it, but God, I wish we could get a card just to see how well it's going to work. You're not going to see this in the first uh, Archmage, um, but perhaps or no, Alchemist, sorry. Uh, but perhaps in Battle Mage, uh, you might start to see this sort of different type of uh, ray tracing, path tracing implementation that uh, Intel seems to be baking out. The other thing that uh, they're doing is, of course, super sampling. Because while everyone's doing it, everyone kind of needs to, especially when you've got a monitor like the one beside behind Sebastian, where you're doing some impressive... Uh, uh, resolutions that you know are perhaps beyond the power of even like a 3090 to do or 6900 xt to do well if you lower lower your expectations and quality settings and resolution low enough then you could just you could be blown away but that's what super sampling is for that's true my expectations are slow are so low anyway it it, Mm. it doesn't matter doesn't matter you know what? Doing some research and finding a better way to skin a cat is never a bad idea. You're going to gain some positive nuggets out of it. And that's going to improve your architecture and possibly the software environment around you. So they may not exactly be reinventing the wheel, but they're going to do things which will have concrete R&D features added. Why am I talking to my Bill Shatner tonight? What the hell's up with Jeez. Jeez, Josh. I'm no, should move on. Mississippi with my I, patent and <laughs> shoes, and I don't know I, why. I just read that uh, Intel is going to be one of the primary uh, purchasers of TSMC's two nanometer process, along with Apple, yeah. of course, and that they Intel would wait, be wait, dividing. Wait, 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 wait! I've heard that 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 you know Intel is going to have eighteen angstrom. Yes. and uh, let, me, uh, let me fit. Uh, let me finish. TSMC is Correct. is three years up to two. So how does that even work? Well, the, the rumor is is that they're going to divide their their production of their CPU and GPUs between their 1.8 nanometer or angstrom. You know, 1.8 will be their CPUs, and TSMC is going to get the the primary bulk of their uh, GPU production. It's not a bad split, so they're using them to do that as well as 
uh, there are uh, other chips that SOCs are the, and SOCs, Intel's SOCs. So that's not a bad idea for them to do yeah. that. But they may now, be able to back- Lunar Lake, on the other hand, I don't know. Well, that's, yes, that does seem a little suspect. Lunar Lake, it's like very close to Looney Tunes or something like that. WCCF Tech is reporting that AMD Ryzen 7000 CPUs and the AM5 platform itself is DDR5 only. <gasps> uh, actually, this is from a um, uh, Meet the Experts webinar in which uh, it was confirmed that, of course, that the Zen 4 architecture will be their first DDR5. We talked about this before. But the fact that it's DDR5 only is, I guess, the news here. If this is indeed kind true. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Let, so, I mean, let me ask you a question ahead, real ahead, quick. Ask you a question. Mm. When AMD released AM4, were there DDR3 modules that you could install in that platform? Waiting. Mm. I don't believe so. Waiting. No, it was not. They made it a clean break. And you know what? It's not a bad idea because you're adding a tremendous amount of complexity to the CPU memory controller that they honestly don't need. If we remember how, and it's interesting because I, I, I tweeted out today, do we think that AMD's AM5 DDR5 controller is going to be any good, essentially? If we look at the first iteration of Zen, it was not that great. There were a lot of compatibility issues, speed issues. Couldn't get it up there. The 2000 series, they kind of tweak things a little bit, improve things in, in terms of, you know, bio support and uh, low-level silicon stuff, improved it. 3000 series probably was their first real solid implementation of DDR4. And finally, with the 5000 series, it's, it's you know, industry standard in terms of that. I mean, comparing it to what Intel has with, with DDR4, that's really good. Now they're jumping into DDR5. You don't want to mess up the design by trying to do backwards compatibility when you're dealing with, of course, billions of transistors. And they're keeping focused. And, you know, by the time they release, DDR5 prices have been significantly dropping over the past four months, which is great. And it's going to continue to do that for the next four months until, of course, AMD releases their AM5 processors. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense that they would just skip DDR4. I mean, it's still more than it's four times as expensive still, even with yeah, the price. You're price. right. You're right about that. Now, remember and how Intel we were supports DDR5 and DDR4 with their current generation. So, you would hope yeah, there would be those options out there. Hmm? Hmm? I mean, it depends hmm? on when it comes out. If this doesn't come out till the end of the year and DDR5 is again half of what it's selling for now, you don't have to pay $400 for a 32 gigabyte kit anymore, then great. However, as long as DDR4 is still sticking around and is the legacy option for like 60 or $70 for a decent kit, then we, we saw the same thing in 2017 with the, yep. the, the Zen one DDR3 was dirt cheap and highly available. DDR4 had the premium and they decided to go with the DDR4. And I think, Really, that is the best option because it's going to push the industry forward and those prices are going to drop. I mean, it's not going to be overnight, but by the time that 
AM5 releases, we're going to have, you know, good densities, good speeds, much lower prices than what we have now. It's going to be a premium, sure. But when you think about what motherboard manufacturers have to go, have gone through with uh, the Intel Alder Lake supporting DDR4 and how unpopular those solutions have really become because it's really, it, it does limit performance. They're just, you know, they're, they're cutting the fat. They're, they're going straight to the meat of the matter and saying, you know what, we got to go DDR5. And I think that's the right option at the time because it's not a brand new memory architecture by the time they release stuff. So it it's not going to have that, you know, okay, when Pentium 4 was released with our DRAM, our DRAM was simply ludicrous in terms of pricing. And Nobody performance. Could afford so wait, no, not performance. No, the performance was worse. Well, with the Pentium 4, it was fine. It wasn't great. It was fine. Now they you actually couldn't, you couldn't buy it retail. They there were Pentium three mm. systems with Rambust before the Pentium four launched. No, it was a nightmare. No, no, they yes. did not. Yes, there were. No, yes, no. Mm-hmm. It was all, all right, ICR. I was actually going to say something that was on Megabytes. the topic of the of the news item. Yeah, yeah. What? And that's and that's trying to factor in the speed and latency of DDR5 that's going to fit well with AM4. We chased a certain speed rating with DDR4 because it benefited the um, CPUs, the, uh, the Zen architecture up to this point. Their on-chip cache in the uh, released as a in a practically a prototype form in their their latest 5800X, the 3D is paving the way for perhaps a different way of looking at RAM on a Ryzen system. And maybe you don't need very expensive DDR, high-frequency RAM, and you need to chase a little bit more latencies. I think there was an article that um, was just on the site that talked about some CAS 30 timings that showed a 15% increase in in performance. There was that article, Jeremy, you put up there. Yeah, about, the XTG uh, Lancer. Yeah. Anyway, five, six the thousand, point. But they could tighten it ridiculously. The, the point is, is that the classic thinking here might be disrupted by the amount of of 3DX cache that is going on AM4 or AM5. Sorry. Here's an exciting this story. Uh, according to the I South China this. Morning Post, chip-starved manufacturers scavenging silicon from washing machines as the global shortage shows no sign of easing. This is an old stock photo, but you know, get oh, yeah. get the idea. They're, no, we're talking about buying brand new washing machines just to take the chips off of their controllers, right? Oh, or, Do you, you know, a couple of years uh, previous because they're still IoT devices, so they've still got the chips you need in them. So you're literally stripping SMDs. <laughs> Who wants that job? I thought it was ASML that was doing the buying of the washing machines. They were the ones who told the people about it. Oh, okay. Apparently, they were not the ones who actually did it. Oh, I, I originally, I read that as so ASMR at first. <laughs> no, when you read that wrong, it's got to be quieter and, you know, nice. I read it as ASMR. There you go. So they're a little bit upset because, I mean, they do, they do lithography ASML, but not the fancy, sexy stuff we're interested in, more the general purpose stuff. But even they are having problems getting components to be able to do this up to and including like producing their little lithography machines. And so they'd mentioned that, uh, yeah, uh, another one of their customers had, uh, said that, yeah, 
they're sort of harvesting washing machine parts. Which is funny, except not funny, haha. It's definitely funny, sad. Well, at least if you harvest from a washing machine, the parts are already clean. Can somebody explain to me what the Dell is Cam Ram <laughs> anyway? Yeah. Some sort of What's proprietary that? memory format? Why, yes. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a RAM sandwich because it's all on one side, though. It's, it's no longer dual-sided, so that means that they can lay it completely flat. Oh, so it's like uh, a single-sided, means... like a single yes. inline memory module? <gasps> Wait, that yeah, has a different acronym. Different. Oh, no, can't. Because it has a plate and a bolster can't plate. Can't anyone make hmm. money? Mm-hmm. Cam. That's hmm. Cam. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or compression-attached memory module. And they will. Yeah. So, yeah, they've decided to do this so that some of their proficient workstations can be less than an inch thick and still have 128 gigs of RAM in it. But the the thing is that Dell is the sole provider of this. And so if you wanted to upgrade or replace or anything, you could buy it from Dell. And, uh, yeah, Dell. And, of course, a couple of people got a little bit upset about this and sort of mentioned that, you know, it's, it's... we don't need more proprietary technology. And the response is, well, you know, we're planning on this being what JDEC picks to be the next uh, general memory, uh, at least for um, memory design, at least for mobile units. And we're going to totally present it to them and tell them, you know, it's it's a fait accompli. Hey, we've already done it. And, you know, you should probably jump on board with it. And this is definitely not something that's ever happened before with, you know, PCIe or the PCI interface at the very beginning or, you know, anything. This is, it happens a lot that uh, a company, usually Intel, but in this case, Dell, prevents something that, yeah, it's already done. You guys can fiddle and fuddle with it if you want, but here's an existing product. So we'll just sort of do cross-licensing and a whole bunch of royalties and everything, and we'll figure it out in the back end and not tell the consumer. We'll just make them pay for it because that's just how things work. The interesting thing is that They've also, or at least they're going to, uh, towards the end of the year, release a an adapter, which you can slide into the CAM memory module, and you put SODIMS in it, and it'll be the standard two-stacked one, uh, if you really, really need to. And that's, that's not horrible, because I can see sometimes where you can't expect this brand new type of mem- memory to come out at a reasonable price. It's going to be pricey. So being able to slap in some SODIMs is probably going to help people bring, you know, memory costs down a little bit. So, you know, there's, there's some negatives about it, but there's the other point, which is that SODIMs are bloody well, they're old enough to drink in the States. (laughs) Right? They're ancient. We have been doing this and we've been fiddling with trace lengths to try and get things and going and stack them on the front and the back, all to try and get, it working it faster and faster till the hit point where we've hit DDR5 where it's like, yeah, once you go above a certain amount of uh, DDR5, you're you're going to be topped out at 4,000. It's not going to be able to do more than 4,000 megahertz. It just can't electrically manage it. So with this, the Dell is claiming that they can still hit DDR5 4,800. And... They say that, you know, the there is a little bit of heat spreader built in with a sandwich and it also protects your they, they also said that it protects the chips from being knocked off. I have mm. never knocked a chip off of a SODIM before. Have anyone? I, 
maybe I'm supposed to be biting them and inserting them with my teeth or something or hammering them in. I don't know. It's so that, that was kind of ridiculous. screwdriver underneath the dim, the, the, the dram. <sighs> yeah. Why did you do that? Why? Why would you do that? Yeah. Why not? It's all leverage. <laughs> 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 Got to get a tight fit in there. So I don't know. It's a little annoying. Squeaks. Yes. Screams even. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that tight connection. That extra little angstrom of force that you put in there means that it can run just a little bit faster. Yeah. Of course, you didn't do the other one, so now it's unbalanced, mm-hmm. and well, that's why your random blue screens of death happen. But well, that's not the life. reason. That's not the reason. <laughs> do you want a cooler CPU? Do you have thirty dollars US? Deep Cool's AK four hundred. It's apparently a pretty well reviewed single tower cooling solution for thirty dollars. No RGBs. No well, that's where they save the no, money. Yeah, and no, no, no backplate either. No, you just screw in the mount on the top. You don't have to screw on with anything on the bottom. What? It's as simple as simple gets. It's Mind you, it's not gonna run your i9 at 35 decibels, but that's no. Just this is a handsome for. looking cooler. Nothing special here. Is I mean, it has a nice kind of. I like um, the fins carbon the, fiber the fin, look to the top i guess the fin pattern and outline is uh is a little different okay what does the mounting hardware look like with this here's the box okay okay so just taking your standard metal yep intel backplate here and an amd one yeah okay but they just screw right on uh on the top of the board product oh, installation on they tested it with an i9. Let's see what happens. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, they de- let's just let's be specific. They de- they defeated it with an i9. <laughs> okay, to keep it under 100 degrees C under load is an achievement. Yeah. Interesting. So, no, it's, it's normalized though, of course. To... No. Oh, well, there's there's your so there's your 100, there's your yeah. 100. Okay. Yeah, don't don't use it with an i9. Use it with an i5. But maybe at thirty dollars, it's a yeah. it apparently is a, a budget oriented, nicely cooling, not particularly quiet, but effective. Yeah, that was good, the thing. That was kind of the story with the Hyper Two Twelve Evo. Forever, yeah. it, that was such a great budget option. It wasn't that quiet. I mean, it got to be forty forty five dB a under load. And it doesn't look like it ships with the extra fan clip, but they said that you can definitely add a second one to do push-pull. Okay. Which probably would improve the performance at all, but should drop the noise a bit. Yeah, you get your 30 bucks worth, but you get your 30 bucks worth. I guess. Yeah, you do. I would like to see it versus the stock cooler, I guess. When you're talking $30, your only competition is the stock cooler. So... Well, I mean, the Wraith would probably beat it, but that was just a ridiculously good cooler for what it was. Uh, YouTube chat says their AK620 is uh, quite good, actually. Okay. Oh, that one. Deep Cool's AK620. Oh, it's, it's a dual dual. Fan. Oh, it's the dual. It's, it is a push-pull version, yeah. essentially, yes. of... Oh, no, no. It's it's more than that. Dual, it's dual, dual fan, power. dual stack, yeah. Yeah. That's. I wonder That's what nice. the price on oh, this yeah. one is. That would be more effective. Yeah. Um, Amazon, 65 bucks. Okay. So there you have it. Let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. 
Hey, communication is good, right? And you can get your team communicating faster so they can focus on what's most important with Text Expander. It puts your team's knowledge right at their fingertips. Put the whole team on the same page by getting information out of walled silos into the hands of everyone that needs it. You can share your team's knowledge across departments so your team is sending a unified message to your customers and isn't spending time reinventing things to say. Here's how it works. Keep your company's most used emails, phrases, messaging, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Give your whole team access to all that content they need to use every day. When they need it, expand it by deploying the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps you use. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And show listeners get 20% off their first year. Whether you're a business or just a busy person, Text Expander can help you become more efficient and improve your communication. The world's most productive people use text expansion software. Save some time and give them a competitive edge. Let us help you scale. So visit textexpander.com slash PCPer to learn more. We're back and we're going to talk about some elderly games. Now, it's not the usual suspects. It's not Epic. It's not GOG giving stuff away. Steam is giving things away? Mm-hmm. No way. Look at those graphics. Uh, mm. Listeners of the podcast cannot see the graphics, but just imagine the usual VGA from the DOS era. Yeah, Are but the, the, fancy, the fancy ones. First person perspective yeah. ones. Not like Wizardly mm-hmm. 2, like you're looking at there, because that was what we were all used to. And then some of us, me included, had a panic attack when I realized that my graph paper was pretty much useless trying to figure out where I was when I was wandering around in Dagger Fall. <laughs> it was it was a learning curve. I know a few people that absolutely hated it and refused to try it. But yeah, if you want to go back to the very beginning, if you want to find out why people consider Uriel Septum such a dick, uh, yeah, Dagger Fall and Arena are free right now to be grabbed off of Steam. And if you're not so much into that, you'd much rather, you know, kill fellow humans than... AI-controlled stuff. The old Wolfenstein enemy territory is also free, which also supposes is that there should be some uh, new servers out there that you can play on. And that one was fun. I mean, it's not pretty, but it was objective-based where you were sort of either the defense team or the attack team, and you had to make certain benchmarks. And if you did, then you sort of pushed up the map a little bit, and you started spawning a little bit further in and further in and further in. And, you know, it was great fun. Even the dogs loved it. Who let the dogs out anyways? And yes, me, the enemy territory was always sort of free, but there were things to charge to do the hosting of the uh, the uh, servers and stuff. It was annoying. So I think now with this, what they're doing is just sort of giving it to you as is. These graphics may not be the, the newest, but they look about the same as your average metaverse experience. So that's pretty modern. Better. Ouch. I mean, do you have to hurt them that badly? Do you have to? Uh, the metaverse is a joke and it'll be gone soon. Mm. Okay. Mm. The X universe collection. Is this, what is this? Humble bundle? Okay. Yes. This is all of them. Yeah. $18. Pay at least $18. Jeremy, I'm impressed. I only have a couple of these, but for I'm bucks, only missing Cradle just... Humanity and Split Vendetta. I think I might get the rest. <laughs> yeah, the sad thing is it peaked at X3. Rebirth That's was... The one that I have. Yeah. Um, and then they sort of backed off on some of the horrific stuff from Rebirth for 4. And, you know, there's, you know, 18, 20,000 hours worth of gameplay there, so... Mm-hmm. 18 bucks That's for the entire universe. Four times over. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so in our next story, uh, apparently Sony is building a, quote, game preservation team, end quote. Like Nintendo, they're going to have a revamped PlayStation Plus service with hundreds of games from older generations. Who would have thought that a PS5 could possibly be able to emulate the PlayStation 1 or maybe even the PlayStation 2? Possibly even the PlayStation 3. It's just, it's unthinkable that something... (laughs) With, you know, a multi-core CPU and a modern GPU could possibly... Anyway. Because, you know, yeah. the, the PS1 could do 250,000 triangles per second. And there's no way that any modern hardware can match that at all. Hmm. And that's not even the Rambus model of the Nintendo. <laughs> please, yeah. let's let's not go I'm there sorry. again. Let's please. not go there again. Uh, someone... <sighs> Has linked my abandonware. Okay, why? What is what is the? Did somebody because, just discover this? No, it's because I wanted to throw out the. Don't forget. It's like don't wait for the 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 companies that make the games to preserve them. There's places out there to go find these and still play them. No preservation required. Well, maybe a little bit. It's not like I mean, GOG is pretty good at it actually. GOG Good Old Games is actually really good about moving some very good stuff into modern. OSs and modern hardware. But here you have Abandonware, where you can go Why grab some is real the classics. top title in trending games OmniPlay Horse Racing? Well, they might have played that one. I don't know. I don't okay. know. Have you not tried it? It's I have C64, Amiga, the Amstrad. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, sometimes games uh, are only available in a like the trial version sometimes it's the full lemmings the 2gs version of lemmings Lemmings can i get the uh amiga version of you know they have it for download oh my gosh the amiga rom hey oh my god amiga featured higher quality graphics and sound than the dos version so it's it's a bigger thing i think actually the amiga one is two or three discs Maybe it's two. Yes, it seven was. megabytes. Yes. Maybe the manual is in there too. Who knows? Maybe, yeah, there's, that could do maybe it. there's other random things in that seven megabyte zip file. I don't know. I think it's cool that games are being preserved and, and there's companies out there doing it, but yet you can still go find abandonware. Wave goodbye to Bethesda's terrible launcher as they start their big migration to Steam. Now, we heard about this a while back. It's finally happening. It's happening. Hooray. Yeah, not everything is transferring well, though. Not all like save oh, games are going to go. What a surprise. Well, some of the the early access people are being punished the most for like Fallout seventy six for people who are like in like very As early. They should be. <laughs> You're not okay. wrong. A list of the affected God. games. Clicking now. Yeah, Reading. yeah. You Loading. have to you have to open each one of them though. You have to if oh, you scroll okay. down, you got to open each one. Like okay, like pick one. Like you know, Arx Fatalis, Doom, Doom Eternal, or something. Fallout. Fallout 2, Fallout 3, Fallout 76, Fallout New Vegas. So just all the Fallouts. Okay, Heretic, Hexen. Well, no, no, Hexen saves. <laughs> those moved pretty much okay. Most <laughs> of the they? Fallouts saved. Why are they on this yeah, list? You, oh, I see. No, it's just click... instructions. Are those yeah, the list of the games not... that didn't? Okay. <laughs> no, not necessarily. If you open them, some of them say don't move or you've got to copy everything manually from one directory to another. Some of them say no way to move a save. It's a it's a crapshoot in there. It's just a list of the ones that's that are actually from going your, from your launch. A crapshoot, literally. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. That's why I bought. It's that's why I bought. Some what do you want? 
My Fallout yeah. stuff came from GOG mostly because it was you know yeah. fixed to run on Windows 10 plus. Hmm. Some stuff from Steam, but I think I actually might have rebought it from GOG because they had a sale of like buying a whole bunch of them, and I didn't have to play around with it anymore. It just ran. The seven best game launchers. Anyway, forget Bethesda. Flush that. Number one, GOG. Yeah, you know, the only thing I don't like about GOG. GOG Galaxy is that as slick as it is, I feel like it's a, a portent of ominous things to come, whereby they go to a DRM strategy. There, there are oh. archive downloads, the separate downloads, you know, where you can get your whole DRM free thing in a zip file. That's going to go away. You know, it's going to be all through the launcher. I don't know. About be right now, all this, stuff. this this is my GOG setup right here. This is GOG. Okay, hold on. Let me. Give Brett Mine's just updating at the rate now. You don't have to. You don't have to zoom in. But those are my GOG games. I I launch everything, pretty much everything out of GOG, unless I'm doing like co-op stuff on like Dying Light or something like that. Then I launch from Steam. Let's move on to our security corner. Oracle already wins Crypto Bug of the Year, says this the Register article, with a Java Digital Signature Bypass. That sounds exciting. Oh, it's not. It's ridiculously stupid. Jeremy, do you know? Do you know what happened here? Yeah, no, it was just so depressing, and I had something more interesting to talk about than this idiocy, which uh, they're, they're referring to in a way as a psychic paper vulnerability. Because, kids, what number does your array start at? Jeremy, arrays are zero-based. Zero <laughs> yes, they are. So if you were going to design something, you would want to be able to make sure that a zero-zero would be either valid or at least dealt with in some way other than to say Jeremy. ah yeah you're right no you're you're totally the signer of this uh this certificate and we're just totally going to install whatever it is you want because we know you're perfect your only signature you're is legit code, only if you're writing that code in a manly language like c or c++ i mean yeah. java i mean mm, i don't know <laughs> it's 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 kind of just stupid and oracle has done this sort of crap before because they like this elliptic curve digital signature that just keeps getting which is, trashed, which is bits. It does work. It does work. The, the, their problem crept in when they ported the code from C++. And this is why my joke was. Yeah. They ported the code from C++ and they left out a non-zero check at the beginning of it. What it does is it, the the, the, the core of it is, is they allowed a, a, a zero elements or the numeric zero to be to be treated as true in comparing the hashed computed values against the public key and then private key computed values. And if the two equaled each other and, oh, this is the signer of the whatever the, the data blob was. Sometimes it's it would be a code snippet or it could be a plugin, it could be messages or whatever, but it's extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous that that this was uh, overlooked and is potentially allowable because it allows attackers to substitute legitimate libraries or legitimate function calls if 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 the function call had a uh, security check into it or libraries that are being pulled in. It allowed them to be easily accepted by the checking software that said, is this, is this a signed element? Is this a signed thing? It was easy to bypass. So it, it essentially made all of this security theater, merely security theater, which is ridiculous. Thanks, Oracle. Yeah, again. 
And they've patched it, I, I believe, already. But this affects Java from 13 to 15, all versions. Hmm. Let's move to our review of the week. V-Color, it's a name you might not be familiar with. Or maybe you are. But they have a new series of DDR5 memory modules called Manta X-Prism. I found out by doing some research that V-Color's been around since 2006. They mostly have served the server market, but they have been ODM to brands like Gigabyte. Anyway, the new stuff is using, quote, carefully sorted Hynix ICs for superior overclocking performance. The Manta X-Prism RGB DDR5 is designed for the latest 12th gen Intel Core desktop processors, etc., etc. So, uh, of course, currently there is no other option for DDR5 out there than the Intel platform, though that will change. And the kit that we were sent for review, originally I was going to be getting the 6400 CAS32, which I was very excited about. In the end, we had to settle for the 6200 megatransfers per second at 36, 39, 39, 76 at 1.3 volts. A little bit less expensive, and I doubt the speed and latency would make that much of a difference in most things, but, you know. Um, this particular kit, as you can see here, it's a little, it's interesting because this isn't just memory. This RGB, uh, up here in the colorful box is, uh, it's trying to tell us something. There's two boxes inside. There's the X-Prism Manta DDR5 kit, and then there's the dummy kit with two additional modules that do nothing but emit beautiful rainbow colored lights at the top. Oh, thank goodness. Here's a look at the non-DRAM up close. As you can see, just a few little pins on there. Some nice looking heat spreaders on those non-TIMS uh, though. And as you can see, it does show up as uh, SK Hynix. Of course, the faster DDR5 that's out there is Hynix right now. So, And our DDR5 6200 was provided by the XMP 3.0 profile, which again has cast latency of 36 at 1.3 volts. I did some basic testing, just comparing it against the baseline Micron OEM DDR5 we had on the platform before. I had previously only had access to the DDR5 4800 CL40 that Intel had provided at the Alder Lake launch. And moving up, as you can see in this one synthetic benchmark, ADA64 version 6.60, you gain quite a bit in synthetic read-write-copy workloads. Something like 7-zip, uh, that's a very memory-dependent operation when you're compressing things, so a big uplift there and millions of uh, instructions per second. But something like Cinebench, very minor, and gaming, pretty much negligible. So I didn't even put those results on there. One thing I will say, though, that was a little odd about this, and here's this is the sad thing about this, because they have two DIMM kits, just regular dual-channel kits, or whatever DDR5 would be, but this one includes two extra modules that are just for lighting. And as you can see, right after powering up the system, I took this photo and already the lights aren't quite lining up. And then a few seconds later, they're really not lining up. One of the two, this topmost um, stick here was one of the two dummy modules. It was always slow. The timing for rainbow or strobing, any kind of moving effect was slower than the other. So it was out of sync. If you did a static color, obviously there was no issue. 
and I tried like toggling the effect on and off and rebooting the machine. I didn't use any, I didn't use a different motherboard, but it was a little strange that one of the two dummy modules did not uh, match the lighting effects of the other. Now the pricing, we were talking about DDR5 pricing earlier. The SCC kit, which includes the dummy modules, at 6200 CAS 36, as tested, was $459.99 for <coughs> 30, 32 gigabytes of memory. Now, if you don't need the RGB DIMMs, or whatever they're called, the non, non-DRAM modules, it goes down by $60 to $399.99. And I thought, okay, well, how does this compare on Newegg or somewhere? As of yesterday, there were no other options at... 6200 cast 36 there's a lot at cast 38 so it's just kind of it's still kind of the wild west out there one thing that was uh unfortunate though at least yesterday on the v color website this memory is a hundred dollars more than the announced msrp hopefully that gets corrected because if if you buy it straight from v color 499.99 for the 6200 kit isn't that incredible? Yes. Hmm. Yes. If I were to go I wonder to Newegg right now, I could buy 32 gigabytes of DDR4 for probably, I don't know, $100. 100 and if you got uh, DDR4, 3200 at 32 gigs, you're looking at $125 to $132 for G-Skill. Let's move Roughly. to Picks of the Week, and Josh will get us started. Won't you, Josh? Spinning rust will never die. The uh, Toshiba X300s, they're, they're a solid, solid drive. Not a whole lot of money. So about 150 bucks after all said and done for 8 terabytes of spinning rust of SATA 6, 3.5-inch desktop internal hard drive. Retail packaging. Gotta Ooh. love that. So you know what? This is great for data storage. Great for holding on to videos, pictures. Game files. As long as you don't want to run stuff off of it. Because you know what? We are really, 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 really spoiled by not only SSDs, but the latest PCIe 4.0 NVMEs. Because it's just instantaneous with that stuff. And you still have to wait for spinning drives, no matter how big. It's just the way it is. But for data storage, for long-term things, Stuff that takes up a lot of space. It's a very nice drive. And um, reliability from Backblaze, they, they, they rate it pretty highly, which is interesting. But I'll take it. So good performance. Not a whole lot of price. It's not as popular as the Western Digitals or Seagates, which both have issues in terms of support as far as I'm concerned. This is... Uh, it's a nice option for those looking for big, big storage. Mm. I, th- I think they fixed these because extra. Four terabyte NVMe is a thousand bucks. This is double that. A few years ago, I had to, I had to RMA a few of these X three hundred. Maybe they were eights, maybe they were tens. They might have been twelves. I don't know. I think they might have been twelves. But uh, yeah, they didn't last. You know, I had to, I had to. You send them back and and get different ones, but this was a few years ago when just after let's see who did they buy this this technology was somebody else's at the time I think it, I think it was but anyway it was right around then and uh, unfortunately it didn't last for me but 
I think they might have gotten their their act yeah, together no, now. I, I've got a uh, four terabyte X three hundred that mm-hmm. I bought probably four years ago, and it's still just chugging along, happy as a clam. It used to be my prime gaming drive until I finally went to SSDs. So yeah, I don't. I, I luck of the draw. Who knows? But. Yeah. We've also got some NASA's at work that runs the N300, and they've been really, really good. Hey, if Backblaze so, is seeing good performance out of these, I, I would definitely go go with what their on the ground yeah. experience is telling people. Yeah, they Indeed. they buy a lot of hard drives. Yeah, a lot of hard drives. They they accidentally test a lot of hard drives. They don't set out to do it. Yeah. They're just consumers. Yeah, they know. just do. Jeremy, would you like to share with us this incredibly useful looking product? Oh, this unholy connector that I managed to find, which is just a thing of beauty. And I need to find some to just sort of scatter around in random bags so that people will pick them up and try and use them. For our audio listeners, this is an (laughs) RJ45 to coax adapter. And it's just an ugly, horrible thing of beauty. It's horrendous, isn't it? I like how there's just Why? two wires populating the uh, Why? J45. Because it's coax. It's yeah. two wires. Yeah. Like you can't split the coax signal beyond the two wires that it is. <laughs> Apparently, it can be found in use in security camera systems. Okay. I found this out after I spotted this because I saw it and I'm just like, that is the worst adapter, the most horrific thing I have seen except they followed it up with post of another cursed device, which is actually an adapter to turn a normal power plug into a USB-C power <laughs> plug, which I'm sure works perfectly with no danger to your system whatsoever. I, there's got to be a protection chip in there for 99 oh, cents. Yeah, for 99 cents, you know it. <laughs> oh, Dipping's just 205 yes. Hey, Jeremy, spend $18. Okay. There's probably a lot of legacy coax in a lot of buildings out there. If that actually works, it that's probably actually useful. When you say security cameras, I'm like, oh, wait. Yeah. What? There's probably a ton of buildings out there that have been wired for those coax live feed cameras. Replace them with an IP camera. You know, you want it hardwired if you're too far away from Wi Fi. Yeah. Too far away from. Wi-Fi? Of course, on the other end, you got to replace those VHS tapes with something, and that's also going to be frustrating. So, mm, yeah, yeah, no, but just for pure, just horrificness, that is just. Hey, I, I've watched Clerks. Brett, your pick this week <laughs> is the uh, a previous version of the Roku 4K Ultra, which is uh, down about I think almost thirty dollars off, twenty five dollars off from, um, or actually, Ooh. yeah, yep, it's twenty twenty version. Yes, it's 4K, HDR, Bluetooth. It even has a headset that comes with it, so you can plug it into the uh, remote if if you don't want to disturb anybody. I actually else. like that feature of Roku a lot because, I mean, who wouldn't want properly synced audio wirelessly from your TV? I mean, you're plugging it in with a wire, but the remote is wireless and runs off a couple of batteries, so right. it's convenient for nighttime viewing. Actually, happened to have the. I think this is the. I don't know if this is the 2021 version or the 2020 version. I just bought one just a little while ago, so I'm gonna try it out. My pick this week is Rambus on a Pentium Three, and if you search 
YouTube for this. You can find this Wayback Tech mm-hmm. video where he showcases yeah. this Pentium 3 system with Rambus. Pentium 3B, Copper Lake. It originally it, was, was released on Rambus. It was awful. So it might have been very, more of a server platform. After. Yeah, but shortly after that, I mean, you know, Pentium 4 was released in November 2020. So it was still, you know, it, it showed no obvious improvement with the Pentium 3. In fact, it was it was less overall performant than their previous, um, you know, like the VIA-133 chipset that they had for it. And, uh, yeah, Pentium 4 finally had the GTL Plus bus that mm-hmm. could kind of actually work well with RAM bus. And showed an improvement, but you know, as soon as as soon as the DDR stuff came out for Pentium Four, it it did just as good, if not a yeah. little bit better. And plus, it had fewer problems and less expensive. And yeah. it took him a long time to. Admit yeah, that, I, I do remember the the Pentium Three did. When thinking back, there was the IA twenty, and initially for it. And everybody was excited. It's like this new memory architecture, a new chipset. Yep. It's a 133 bus. And that 133 bus was not. And then they met I mean, the uh, memory controller hub. The brand bus was, yeah. The uh, MCH yeah. was just, oh. I, I want to give tonight's never letting MCH, it go. Memory translation wanna- hub. I want to give tonight's Never Letting It Go award to Sebastian. You've you've definitely earned it. Yeah. Good job on that. Yeah. That can be a persistent. That's <laughs> uh, one of my <laughs> qualities. We all got to be strong. That's our show for this week. Please tune in again next week for more like this. Listen, watch, listen and watch simultaneously through the power of video and audio synchronized together via YouTube.com. Slash PC per or uh, the, the audio podcasts drive. Ar- you're probably listening to this as you drive around. You're just you're you're just driving to drive because you don't have a proper stereo in your home. And that's the place where you have like speakers and stuff. Or maybe you're walking around listening to it with headphones on or or AirPods. You could be that one Apple AirPod user who listens to us. And what an investment that was. Listen carefully for those ASMR moments. Please, please listen for those.